You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. We are starting our our second installation of this series, and it is called The Call. And today's uh, part is the call to discipleship. The call to discipleship. How many of you believe that you are called to discipleship? All right, three of you, awesome. I'm glad I'm preaching about this this morning. Uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna be preaching about the call to discipleship. Um, if I ask a show of hands of, of how many disciples are in the room, um, I believe that the majority of us would raise our hands, right? The majority of us would raise our hands to Christ. I think that's a different question, right? Answering a call doesn't just mean picking up the phone. How many of you know that? Answering a call doesn't mean just picking up the... Here we go again. Let me see. Hold on. What happened? Me? For real? I mean, would I have to start like right now, right now? Oh, I mean, that's, that's a big honor. I mean, but... I mean, I'd have to get back to you because, I mean, I, I got some things going on right now. Yeah, I mean, can, can I get back to you? I mean, is it one, I mean, is, I mean, because if it's right now, right now, okay, okay. All right, that's cool. Yeah, I'll let you know. I, I love you too. All right, all right, thanks. Yeah, you guys thought that was my mom, didn't you? All right, here Answering the calls a whole lot more than picking up the phone, right? There's some questions to answer, right? The right now, right now thing is real. When it comes to us answering the call to discipleship, Jesus didn't just call me to be a disciple. Listen to this, friends. He asked me to come and be with him to come and follow me, right? So what is a disciple? How many of you think you know the definition of a disciple? Right? What's a disciple? Uh, the dictionary of, uh, explanation of a disciple is a person who is a pupil or an adherent of the doctrines of another, a follower, right? How many of you kind of get that, right? A person or a pupil or student or an adherent, or, or, or someone who adheres to the doctrines of another. This is a follower. This is a definition of a disciple. Um, but is that the call of discipleship? It, it, are, are, are we students that study and practice the doctrines of Jesus? But, but what if I, I study, but I don't practice? Or, or what if I practice and I don't study, right? There, there's all these different kinds of things. I mean, we see these in churches, right? The word versus the spirit, right? It's a spirit of the word versus the letter of the word. And so if I practice the letters of the law, I'm good. But if I practice the spirit of the law, then I'm better, right? There's all these different arguments of what makes a, dis- a disciple. You know, we've spoken in the life of this church about orthodoxy, right belief, or orthopraxy, or praxis, right practice, and, and, and if we do both, does that make us disciples, 
right? If we, if we study right belief and we do right practice, is that what makes us a disciple of Jesus? Or a better question, is that answering the call to be a disciple? Because if, if all we have to do is study the right things and do the right things, many do believe that that's what being a disciple is. But I would say that depends. It depends on what? On whether or not, and I'm bringing us back to last week's sermon, on whether or not we are practicing hesed. There are people who study Jesus who are not in true connection with Jesus the Savior. There are people who might practice the spiritual disciplines we believe are necessary to be connected to God that aren't necessarily connected to Jesus. There are religions that have woven in Christianity's principles or Jesus's principles into their religion and even use Jesus as one of their reference points in that religion. But I'm telling you, friends, it does not make them a disciple of Jesus Christ. Hased is faithful, it's loyal. Hased is love put into action, not to doctrines and teachings, but Jesus himself. To Jesus himself. We cannot separate the call of discipleship from Jesus the person. And I, and I believe that the church does this far too much in our age today. We, we, we practice religious practices, but it's separated from this has said, this deep, unfailing love that we have for Jesus. I mean, just think about our routines, our prayer routines, our, our, our devotional routines. Are they just to check the boxes? Are they a means for deep connection with God? We attend church. Again, is that to check a box or is that to have deep connection with Jesus? Many churchgoers in many different Christian traditions adhere to the beliefs and practices that are encouraged by the church, but they aren't practicing this deep connection with the Lord. But I take communion. Do you? Think about that. I take communion. Let me ask again, do you? Do you take true, authentic communion with Jesus? Not just bread and cup communion, deep communion with Jesus. I went to Bible study. It was an awesome study of the Bible. Is that has said? Is that connection with Jesus or is that connection with principles and belief systems? Every tradition, every tradition can be guilty of disconnecting discipleship from the person of Jesus. 
I mean, we, um, as, as, a, as a Protestant church, and I'm not talking about the Protestant denomination, I'm talking about Protestant, the protesters of the Roman Catholic Church. This is where the, the Protestant church was birthed out of. We were protesting the high church because the high church took control of the religion and they made us do the things that they wanted us to do, but there was no connection to Jesus. And so we protested that and we became Protestants and we, we were going to be free to connect with Jesus on a personal level. And I'm telling you, the Protestant church has fallen just as guilty as the high church when it comes to our connection with God. We don't follow the Pope, we follow Jesus, right? This is, this is how Protestants view the world. I run into Christians all the time. And when I talk to them about church, just like anything else, they are throwing out names and, and, and religious practices that are very particular to their flavor and desire of church. You know, it's their pastor's name and all of these things. And, and we, we guilt everyone else when they do it, but the Protestant church is just as guilty. We follow this guy. This guy's my pastor. When you ask, hey, what church do you go to? They say, I go to so-and-so's church. I hope you guys never say that I go to Jody Romero's church. I hope that's never even an inkling in how you define what we do in this place or who we're connected to in this place. It's anti-everything that we believe. As disciples, we are called to follow Jesus, to be connected to Jesus. And any human agency that God uses, whether it be a physical local church building or any leader that you are a part of, it is never for that person to be a shortstop for who he is. I hear so many singing the praises of their denominational preferences, their church doctrinal leanings, their church leaders, Luther, Wesley, Mac, Graham, NCMI, Bethel, Calvary Chapel, Dudley Daniel, Chuck Smith, Mother Teresa. Please forgive me, friends. Who cares? Who cares? And, and I, I only use those names not to diminish those people, but because they have made serious impacts in the kingdom of God here on earth. I didn't put my name in there because I probably couldn't hold a light to, to these people. But I'm telling you, friends, we are not disciples of these movements. We are not disciples of these people. We are disciples of Jesus Christ himself. This is what the call of discipleship is. I want to get into scripture, Luke chapter 18. There's four portions of scripture we're going to use today highlighting Jesus's call to others when it comes to discipleship. How many of you know it's good to go to the source? And if we are called to the, be disciples of Jesus, then we need to listen to what Jesus had to say about it. So if you're looking in your Bibles, Luke 18, but let's just pray before I get started. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to be here together, engaging your word, this word that you embody, you embodied in person, you embody by spirit. And Lord, I pray it's through your word that we learn what it means to be called to true, authentic discipleship. We love you, Lord. We love you desperately. And we want to see a church that is mature, a mature body of believers who chooses to follow you.
who answers this call to discipleship. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Luke 18, verse 18 says this, once a religious leader, a what? A religious leader asked Jesus this question, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? What should I do to inherit eternal life? Listen to this, friends. Last week covered that for us, the call to salvation. How many of you can say yes and amen? Right? We don't receive eternal life unless we receive the salvation of Jesus. Now, benefit of the doubt, Jesus just started his, his public ministry. Jesus had not died on the cross. There was still some confusion about how to receive this salvation that only comes from God, but still recognize this is a religious leader who should have had an answer to this question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus doesn't answer the question directly. He answers the question in this way. Why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. And so what Jesus is basically saying here, because you're coming to me, first you need to recognize that I am God. You need to recognize that I am God. And so if you're calling me good, then there must be something in you that believes that I am God. But to answer your question, so he's saying first, you need a revelation of who I am. We need a revelation of who Jesus is. And this is what discipleship is about. God has revealed to us as, um, through Jesus as Savior. He has saved us into something, not just from something. He has saved us into something, this glorious walk with King Jesus. Now, to answer your question, Jesus says this, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother. So Jesus is basically throwing out, hey, you got to do the Ten Commandments because at this time they were still living under the law. If you follow these rules, you'll inherit eternal life. The man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Now listen, friends, Jesus knew this. But Jesus had to take this guy to a place, just like he has to do with us. He knows the things that you're doing, and he knows the things that you're not doing. He knows the things that I'm doing, he knows the things I'm not doing. And Jesus wants to take us to a place. And so here he is with this guy. Um, he says, I've obeyed these things since I was young. And when Jesus heard this, he answered and he said, there is still one thing. There is still one thing that you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Listen, friends, then come follow me. Then come follow me. So there's this, this huge question, friends, that I, 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 I'm not sure I'm gonna answer today. But here's the question. Can you receive the salvation of Jesus Christ and not become a disciple of Jesus? Is that possible? He wanted to know, Lord, what was it going to take to inherit eternal life? Salvation is necessary for that. We see the thief on the cross. I mentioned a couple of weeks back. The thief on the cross never followed Jesus he confessed that Jesus Christ was Lord on the cross. Jesus said, this day, you're going to be with me in heaven. He inherited eternal life because he believed. He believed in Jesus, the Messiah. Never became a disciple. 
And so this question is looming for me, and maybe you can ask yourself this. Is it possible to be saved and not be a disciple of Jesus? Personally, for me, no. I'm not saying doctrinally my stance for you. I'm saying for me. It is impossible for me to receive what Jesus has done for me on the cross and not choose to follow him. It's impossible to know what he, he has given up, what he gave up for me to know the price that he paid for me to just take that gift so freely and say, thank you, Jesus, and never respond with the follow-through. This is one thing that you haven't done. Sell all your possessions. Give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And here's the thing, friends. Here's the thing. I don't believe the thing, the one thing that Jesus was talking about was him selling his stuff and giving it to the poor. I don't believe that was a thing because if that was a thing, that could just be added to the list. This is the one thing that Jesus says, come and follow me. Are you a follower of Jesus? Have you answered the call of discipleship to follow Jesus? But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. When Jesus saw this, he said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And if you, uh, the eye of a needle, many of us think of the, the eye of a, a threading needle. And yeah, a camel will definitely never fit in that. Um, but the eye of a needle was uh, in, in the the city walls, there was these kind of holes. If you can picture like one of those kind of Persian holes that are built into the walls of a city that people went through, right? And so camels could never get through those things. So this would made sense, make sense to the, in, in the context here, right? Um, and so it'd be like, man, how impossible it is for a big Ford F-150 to get through the doorway of a house, right? It's something like that, you know? It's just something very cultural, how hard it is for the rich to do that. And those who heard this um, said, then who in the world can be saved, right? They were looking at this religious leader who had all of the things in order, and God said, but there's one thing. Jesus said, there's one thing. Go sell all that stuff and come follow me. And this guy couldn't do it. And so there were, the disciples were watching this, and they're, but he's a religious leader. He's done everything that he's supposed to do. Who can be saved if not that guy? How many of you have... have have put the criteria of what looks right and made it godly. You see, friends, that's religion. If you do the right things, if we make it look right, that is godliness. And I'm telling you, friends, it is more godly to be a failure and follow Jesus than it is to be perfect and not. Jesus replied to them, what is impossible for people is possible with God. So yes, it is impossible to follow Jesus without Jesus, but with Jesus, it's possible to follow Jesus. Go figure that out. It's possible with God. It is possible with God. And Peter said, we've left our homes to follow you. So Peter's counting the cost, right? Peter's always the cost guy. But Jesus, we've left our homes for you, right? He, he's saying that he wouldn't, but we did. He's just making sure we're good, right? Because we did. Yes, Jesus replied, 
And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brother or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. There's two things going on here, friends, in this passage. The call of salvation and the call of discipleship. And so I wanted to bridge these two as we enter into today's talk. Bridge these two, the call to salvation, the call to discipleship. Jesus doesn't separate the two. He doesn't separate the two. We separate the two. He does not. Somehow we do. Even Peter is confused and starts questioning his salvation, right? But Lord, I left my home and everything else. I mean, I stopped fishing. I came and followed you. Like, am, am I okay? Am I good? And we ought to want to take inventory like that. But listen, it's, the call to discipleship is never to bring into question your salvation. Can I say that again? There are so many who, who are walking around that don't have the assurance of salvation. I'm telling you, this assurance of salvation is sealed by the blood of Jesus. It's sealed. And so you should no longer be questioning, am I saved? Did I lose my salvation? Oh, I messed up. My salvation gone? Like, it's, it's not that. The call to discipleship is the call to be with Jesus, to come and follow Jesus so that you can become more friends like Jesus. Are you with me? We never see any of the original disciples saying the sinner's prayer. We just didn't see it. Right? Uh, But the salvation was unquestionable. Through their lives and sacrifice, um, their salvation is beyond question. They believed in Jesus. They believed in his resurrection. And listen, friends, we see in their lives that they were willing to die for it. Why repentance and declaration is key for us, number one, is because it's biblical. And number two, because we did not physically walk with Jesus. (laughs) There has to be a declaration of the revelation that we have received that Jesus is who he says he is. So we see um, this call to discipleship according to Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, we see this uh, first call. And if you're taking notes, number one is come follow me. A call to discipleship is, a, is come, follow Jesus, right? As Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and a, and a brother, Andrew. They were, they were casting their nets into the lake for they were fishermen. And in verse 19, we see this call to discipleship. Jesus says, come, follow me. Come, follow me. And I will send you out to fish for people. And listen to this in verse 20, at once. Can you say at once? At once, they left their nets and they followed him. And I believe this is a pattern that, that, that the um, current church struggles with. There's an at once moment when Jesus calls you. It's either you answer or you don't. I, I, being a, a Marine, I believe that delayed obedience is disobedience. If you delay, bad things happen. And so when Jesus says, come follow me, like my little you know, kind of skit I had going on. (laughs) Can I get back to you? We're talking about Jesus. This isn't an invitation to brunch. This is an invitation to come follow the King of Kings, the lover of your soul. God, come be with me. Come follow me. Come become me. 
at once. They left their nets and they followed him. Going from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in the boat with, uh, with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them. Listen to this, friends. And immediately, can you say immediately? Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Listen, friends, discipleship is an invitation from Jesus, but it is not a question. So we give out invitations and we want people to RSVP, and we're just hoping that we might get an answer. Like it's a question. Will you come? Jesus isn't giving an invitation in the form of a question. It's come. Follow me. It's not... Come, follow me. Come, follow me. It is not, do you want to follow me? It is an invitation, but it's an invitation to be with Jesus, to be with him, to learn, practice, grow, become. Learn, practice, grow, become. Today's discipleship looks more like, come to church. Let me just ask, is, is going to church being with Jesus? I hope so. But is it for you? Is that the only form of being with Jesus that you are practicing? Or is there so much more in between? If we're going to grow and learn and become, doesn't it seem like it would take a lot more than an hour and a half on Sunday? Are you with me? Number one, come follow me. Number two, don't be afraid. Look at your neighbor, say, don't be afraid. Luke chapter five, verse one through 11, say this. One day Jesus was preaching on the shore of, of the Sea of Galilee. S same um, scenario happening here. Bit of a different perspective. So um, Luke was not one of the original apostles, right? And so Luke became a follower of Jesus after, and we see that he was a minister with the apostle Paul. What we know about Luke's letter, as we read the first portion of Luke, he says he went back to study everything to give a clear account to those who would come to know Jesus so that they knew, hey, I've gathered all the reports. I've, I've studied multiple sources so that I can present to you an accurate story of what took place when Jesus was here. And, and this is um, Luke's perspective on it. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for their fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, this is Peter, to push it out into the water so that he can sit in the boat. And, and he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go, where, where, go out where it is deeper and let down the nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this, is at, and this time, their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners into the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. And if ever we saw a prayer of salvation, 
from one of the disciples, this would have been it. Lord, leave me. I'm a sinful man. The revelation of who Jesus was sweeps over Peter. And then listen to this. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied this. Listen, friends. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything to follow Jesus. Don't be afraid. Why does following Jesus provoke so much fear? Is it fear, the healthy fear of God that grips us? Is it? Because if it is, then Jesus' invitation is come closer so that you can see how good this is. Don't be afraid. Don't be so in awe of the almighty God. We should have a healthy fear of who he is, but not so afraid that we don't want to be connected to him in a real passionate way. Jesus draws these guys in closer. Get closer. Or maybe FOMO could be the reason why we don't come and follow Jesus. Right? Fear of missing out on what the world has to offer. Jesus is calling you to come and follow him. And I know I'm being you know, a little more current with FOMO. Fear of missing out. We're fear of missing out of what the world has to offer. We're fear of, of, of losing all the things that we acquired before Jesus. Money, house, cars, career, success, all the instant gratification. If that's a reason, friends, then I really believe we need a heart check. We need a heart check. We have received the free gift of salvation. What can compare to that? What can compare to that? The world has nothing to offer us except for sin and separation from Jesus. If we have that fear of missing out on what they have to offer, honestly, friends, we, we need to have some big questions to ask ourselves. I want to present a new form of FOMO. I'm calling it FOLO. The fear of losing out. The fear of losing out. We're, we're fear of, of, of losing what? What is it that we're, we're, we're afraid of losing? When it comes to follow Jesus, when Jesus says, come, follow me, what are you, what are you afraid of losing? What is it when you count the cost, when Jesus is saying, come follow me, get closer, let's go deeper, let's go to the depths, come follow me to the, to the heights, to the lows, be with me where I am. What is it that you are afraid of losing? For some, it's losing my family. For some, it's losing friends. For some, it's losing that which previously has been more important. Those things that we find our identity in, right? But when Jesus calls and, and, and he says things like, those who choose to follow me are going to lose their, their wives. And, and, and listen, friends, that, it's not the heart of God. It's actually contrary to scripture. What he is saying is in comparison, you're going to give up all these things for me. So you no longer find your identity in your family allegiances. You find your identity in me. You're no longer finding your, your, 
your identity in, in your children, parents. You're finding it in the almighty God. The disciples left everything to follow Jesus, but they did, listen, friends, they did not af- abandon their family responsibilities. I mean, we see later on, I mean, the disciples are taking care of their families. Jesus didn't say, hey, come and follow me. Abandon your wives and kids, and then, you know, we'll see what happens. That's ungodly. It's not what this is. It's in comparison. Jesus takes that primary spot. Fear of change. From now on, listen, friends, you will be fishers of people. You are no longer going to find your identity in what you do for the world. You're going to find your identity in what you're doing with me. What you're doing, listen, friends, with me. Not just for me, with me. Redefining our, our, our life's purpose can be scary. I mean, how many of you ever had a career change or, or a significant job change? Right, you're doing something like this, and then you're like, you're good at it, you're doing well, and then another opportunities, and it's scary. How many of you ever lost out on something awesome because you were too afraid to take uh, to take you know take another job or something like that? It's a scary thing. Redefining our life's purpose can be scary. Moving from the natural to the supernatural can be scary. Being reliant on God versus being reliant on myself can be a very scary thing. But this is the call to discipleship. And Jesus knew it. And what did he say? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We must be reminded that we are not doing this alone. We are doing this with Jesus and by his spirit. With Jesus and by his spirit. The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. And this is why said is so important and why I'm going to keep weaving this into this entire series. Your connection with God, your deep love for God and your ability to love God and your ability to allow yourself to be loved by God play a significant part in this. Because if perfect love casts out all fear, then when Jesus says step out of the boat, we step out of the boat. Jesus loves me. I love him. It's pretty scary out there. But because of this connection, I'm going to do it. Do you hear me? How many of you do things that you don't like to do for loved ones because you love them? Parents, you should say amen really loud. Wives, you can say amen really loud. Husbands, you can say amen like just kind of little We do things because we love. Disciples do scary things because in the face of fear, that love casts it out. You guys with me? Next, um, Jesus says, my disciples must. My disciples must. This is number three. Luke chapter nine, verse 23 through 26. Jesus says this. Um, Again, same portion. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciples must. Whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. My disciples must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life, We'll lose it. 
but whoever wants or whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and let forfeit their very self? Another version would say, yet lose their own soul. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the son of man will be ashamed of them. And when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the father, I'm sorry, when he comes in in his glory and the glory of the father and of the holy angels, it's just pretty, a, a, a significant part, I think, that rubs those who have answered the call of salvation the hardest to deny yourself daily, to pick up your cross and follow Jesus. What does that mean? What does that mean to deny yourself? What does that mean to pick up your cross? What does it truly mean to follow Jesus? Follow me. Lose your life for me. Everything that you want to be, would you be willing to give it up for the sake of following Jesus? Every ounce of energy, every ounce of love, every ounce of time, every resource that you had before Jesus, would you be willing to forfeit it all so that you could follow Jesus? This is what denying yourself means. I mean, we see these calls of God on people's lives, and when God calls them, I mean, there's this 180 turn where they absolutely turn from what was their, 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 their projected futures, all the amount of energy, all their history, they abandon it all. Why? For the sake of Christ. This is what discipleship is. This is what makes it hard. This is why those who have answered the call of salvation struggle to answer the call of discipleship. This thing here. Lose your life, listen, friends, for me. That's the game changer. Because if it's not for Jesus, why do it? Because if it's for the church, please don't do it. Please don't do it. If it's for a religious flavor, if it's because the leaders are asking you to do this thing. I mean, I've heard some horrific stories of leaders telling people, oh, you need to, you know, leave your husband. Uh, You need to, uh, I mean, literally, you need to quit that job. You need to, I mean, all these things. Listen, friends, for the sake of what the church is saying, if it's not for Jesus, friends, why drop a thing? What's the difference? But when there's deep said, when there's a connection between me and God, and he says, come follow me, I want you to deny yourself. I'm doing it because of the, but the love I have for him. I'm abandoning all other loves for the sake of Jesus. If you remember that passage in Revelation, Jesus said, I have this one thing against you. You have forsaken your first love. And that first love may not have been the exact first love that you experienced. First love means primary spot. You have abandoned your primary love, and that primary love is me. And if what you're doing for Jesus, if you're following of Jesus, isn't in connection with that, friends, why do it? If you're, if you're jumping into some discipleship course because a leader has said, hey, you need to join this discipleship course because that's a pathway to leadership in the life of our church, wrong answer. 
is for Jesus. Lose your life for me. Sacrifice for me. What does sacrifice look like in your life? Do you find it difficult to sacrifice for Jesus? What do we sacrifice? We sacrifice our resources, right? What resources do you have? Um, probably the greatest resource you have is your time. How much of that time does Jesus get? How much does he get? Count it. Go look on your phone and check out how, how, how much you're, you're on social media. It'll tell you if it's smart enough. I don't know if those Android phones will tell you that, but... It'll tell you how much you've been on social media. Then I want you, in comparison, ask yourself, have I been with Jesus that much? That'll let you know an area of sacrifice that you need to give to the Lord, right? That your time is your greatest resource. Your energy. How much energy does Jesus get from you? How much energy does Jesus get from you? The things that he asks you to do. I mean, I don't know what that means for you. I'm not gonna, I mean, I was so tempted, friends, I was so tempted to, to, to put into this sermon all of the spiritual disciplines that are necessary for us to connect deeply with God. But I'm telling you, me giving you a list of spiritual disciplines without you understanding true has said, it's just a waste of time. I can tell you, man, you need to meditate on the word of God daily because that's what Jesus has said. Meditate on the word of God daily. I can tell you that because that'll make you a good disciple. But if you are not in deep has said with Jesus, it's not going to mean anything. I can tell you that Jesus says, do not forsake the gathering of the brethren. Do not forsake coming together with the body of Christ. I can tell you that and hammer it home. But I'm telling you, if you're not experiencing deepest said with Jesus, what does it matter? Friends, spiritual disciplines are designed to bring us closer to the Lord, but it's birthed from a place of love and connection with him. It's not to obtain connection with him. It's to grow my connection with him. Are you hearing me? Jesus says, my disciples must not be ashamed of me. How much does your world, the world around you know Jesus? I mean, know that you know Jesus, I'm sorry. Do your circles of friends know that you know Jesus? Do your coworkers know that you know Jesus? Does the person you're dating know that you know Jesus? And, 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 and this ashamed thing doesn't even mean outright denial. It could also mean lack of exposure. Right? That I'm not willing to share this Jesus with the world around me. This is what disciples do. We share Jesus with the world around us. We're not ashamed. My disciples um, aren't ashamed of me. Nothing you forfeit is greater than me. My disciples find their identity in me. My disciples pick up their cross daily. Listen, friends, for me. And it's not this crazy thing. I mean, honestly, friends, there's people who reenact I mean, this is wild. Reenact the Via de la Rosa. They, I mean, they, they put the cross on. They, they travel what they believe is the literal road 
you know, to Golgotha, and it, it, there's a reenactment of what Jesus actually did. And it's supposed to be a prophetic imagery of what Jesus did. And I'm telling you, as, as prophetic as that could seem, it's nothing in comparison to what you should be doing in your everyday life. See, we could do stuff for show, or we can do stuff that has literal meaning. How are you picking up your cross daily? What does it mean for you to pick up your cross daily for the sake of Christ? What are the things that need to be nailed to that cross in your life? What, what, are the, what is the shame and the guilt and the sin that, that you have been forgiven for that is manifested on that Christ? What does that look like? Because this is where the deep connection with Jesus actually becomes real to us in this picking up of our cross daily. When we know what he has done, when we know what the price that he has paid, we know what we're free from, and it allows us to walk in this freedom. And then this, my disciples, friends, must love me. My disciples must love me. The greatest of the commandments, the greatest of the commandments, my disciples must love me. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Listen, friends, he asked Peter this. Do you love Jesus more than these? Now, there's some questions around that passage. These means everything else. Do you love me more than anyone else? Not do you love me more than others love me. Do you love me more than you love others? Do you love me in this way? This is what being a disciple of Jesus is. Anything that we do that is not directly connected to our hasset, our love for Jesus, I would argue may not be authentic discipleship practices. If you are practicing spiritual disciplines, friends, if it is connected to your hasset with Jesus, if it is connected to your deep love for him, then please continue those practices. If you wake up at six in the morning and you pray to the Lord to, to get that time in, to set your, your day straight, please continue that. If you have devotions with brothers and sisters in Christ and you, and you connect with, in home group or, or in a, any kind of other study that help you connect with God in a real, real way, please continue that. If you share meals with, with brothers and sisters in Christ and you take communion and, and you are recognizing the blood of Jesus that was spilled and the bread that represents the body of Jesus that was broken, if that is what communion means to you because it's connected deeply to Jesus, please continue that. If you come to church because you know when two or more gather, the presence of God is there and you want to experience that presence, you want to worship with other believers, you want a reflection of heaven on earth and you want to worship in that way, I'm telling you, friends, please continue that. If you spend time in your prayer closet and you're praying in tongues and you're allowing the spirit of God to give you downloads and you're allowing heavenly things from your spirit to reach to God, I want you to continue to do it if it's deeply connected to your love for him. These spiritual disciplines, these spiritual practices that help us get closer to him are so important. But if it's not authentically true to my connection with him, then why do it, friends? Why do it? Jesus is asking you 
to come follow me, but I want you to interpret it in this way, please. Come be with me. Come and be with me. And he says this after, don't be afraid. I'm going to re, re, redefine what your world looks like. I'm going to redefine your priorities. I'm going to redefine your loyalties. I'm going to redefine all, all of those things that you held dear. I'm going to redefine them. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then he says this. Recognize there is a price to be paid because my disciples must pick up their cross daily, deny themselves, and follow me. You have been called to discipleship. When you received the gift of the, the, the call to salvation and you answered that thing, you have been called to be with Jesus. And let me just tell you this, Jesus is not staying put. There's somewhere to go, right? Come to the foot of the cross, receive salvation. But friends, as disciples, we do not live at the foot of the cross. It is through the cross. Say that with me, through the cross. It's through the cross that we discover all that Jesus is revealing. It's through the cross. If it was at the foot of a cross, then let me just tell you, then salvation was enough. Because we just stay there. It's like staying at the starting line in a race. You know, gun fires off. I've told you guys this. Gun goes off, and then we're just like, yes, I'm in the race. You just hang out at the line. You hang out at the foot of the cross. And it's not there. It's through. There's a race to be run, and it's your race. It's not my race. It's your race. It's not your husband's race. It's your race. It's not your wife's race. It's your race. It's not your kid's race. It's your race. And Jesus is setting the pace because he knows you, and he loves you, and he knows your capabilities, and he knows what you're willing to, uh, uh, or what you're able to endure. And I'm telling you, friends, he says this, I am with you. Come follow me. Come follow me. This is your call to discipleship. This is your call to discipleship. And if you have never answered that call, I believe today's the day that you need to answer it. Because what we see with true people, uh, people who have experienced true salvation is when Jesus calls, we answer immediately. Immediately. And if it hasn't been immediate for you, I don't want you to feel the shame. I don't want you to feel the guilt. I want you to hear what God is saying now. Come follow me. Today's your day to respond. Amen? Amen. Can you guys stand with me this morning? If you feel like you need to respond this morning, I would just maybe ask if you can lift your hands to the Lord. If maybe you have had different understandings of discipleship and, and salvation or just believing, hey, I'm a Christian. I mean, I, of course I'm a disciple. But maybe you haven't truly been connecting it to this has said, this true love for Jesus. Jesus is calling you into discipleship. He doesn't, he's not calling you into, into theological study. He's not calling you into religious practices. He's calling you to follow him.
deep connection with him to allow him to lead and you follow for him to grow you and shape you and mold you and here's a wonderful word that we need to learn as disciples of Jesus yes yes Lord like that call on Jeremiah's life Lord where you go I will go and what you tell me to say I will say I will count the costs, but no cost is greater than you. I will sacrifice. I will pick up my cross daily. I might be afraid, but my courage is in you because you are with me and I'm connected to you. My level of maturity does not determine your love for me. My success does not determine your love for me. And my identity is rooted in that love, that unfailing love that has said, if I miss church, I know you're not angry and I'm not going to hell. But because I am a true follower of you, I want to be with your people. I want to pray. I want to spend time in your word because you are the embodiment of this word. Friends, this... This is our discipleship call. I will not be ashamed of you. Even though others reject you, even though others won't follow, I'll still follow. And that's what it means to forsake others. That if people choose not to go on this journey, I will. I will. Because I have a revelation of my salvation. Jesus, thank you for your call to discipleship. Not this call to do things, not this call... That is some hyper-religious show. It is a call to be with you. It is a call to become more like you as we learn from you. And Lord, I pray that because of that, our deep love and affection for you, that we will practice spiritual disciplines so that we can become closer to you. But it will never be religious activity It'll be connected to our relationship with you. Lord, I pray those who have not answered the call, today will be their day. That today will be the day that they immediately answer. Today will be the day that they instantly respond. They will lay down their lives and say, yes, Lord, I will follow you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 If you love Jesus, say amen. Awesome. Hey, we're so glad that you were here today. Please enjoy your families. Um, have a great time. Uh, yeah. If you're involved in one of those Super Bowl pools, uh, make sure that you share your money with the church. Um, uh, yeah, if you are going for Cincinnati, sorry about that. Um, other than that, enjoy the food. Don't forget all that's happening in the weeks to come. Uh, we have so much going on. We love you guys. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.